here we are in Joshua chapter 10, and here we are at the end of our first semester, and it's hard for me to believe that our first semester has come to an end. It makes me sad that we're not going to be meeting together for a few weeks. But at the same time, I'm excited about the season coming up. In fact, yes, I have a Christmas tree up in my house. Um, before you judge me, it was a new tree, and I had to make sure the lights worked and all of that. So why take it back down and put it back up? It's not decorated, but it's up. And I also am already enjoying listening to Christmas music 24-7. I'm excited about this season. It's wonderful for us to take time to count our blessings and to celebrate our Savior. But as this semester draws to a close, I'm reminded that studying the Word of God is one of the greatest blessings that I have in my life. I am also reminded that as we have been studying Joshua, that we have also been studying Jesus. And Jesus is a better and perfect Joshua. For those of you that may not recall, Joshua is the Hebrew form of the Greek word Jesus. Joshua points us to Jesus, and we are pointed to him throughout this whole uh, book. So I have to admit that I was a um, little perplexed about how to end the semester in a way that would leave you um, encouraged and also wanting more of God's word and plan. As I dove into this text, I was reminded that we learned so much about God through these historical accounts of conquest. In our lesson each week, we have a question and we look for what we can learn about God. Y'all, I hope that never becomes a rote question for you or just another question that you have to answer to go to Bible study on Tuesday mornings. I hope that it continues to be something that you crave to know more about God and that you crave to learn about him through these scriptures. Um, We discover who God is through his word, and this chapter is no different. So before we dive into that, let's pray. Oh, Father, you you are a God of might. You are a God of power. You are a God of love, and most of all, God, you are a God of holiness. We thank you that you have somehow deemed it necessary for us to learn about you, that you have given us that great privilege, and I pray that today would be no different, that we would learn about you through your words today. May truth be spoken, may what you have us to hear be heard, and if I would say anything that would not be truth, Lord, that you would um, stop it, even if I be made to look like a fool. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we begin, um, before we go into our break, I want us to review for a moment. You know, I love to know what's happening and what has happened. So in chapter one, what did we see about God? We saw that God keeps his promise, promises. He had promised Abraham in Genesis 12, 7, that Abraham's descendants would be given this land. It's over 400 years later, but we see in Joshua that God is fulfilling his promise. In chapter 2, we see the beauty of God's grace as Rahab, a prostitute, confesses her belief in, in the God of Israel, and God extends grace to her through the Israelite spies. In chapters 3 and 4, we saw God's mighty hand as he held it out to stop and separate the waters of the Jordan so the Israelites could cross on dry land. Chapter 5, we saw God's provision as the Israelites began to take the land. We were reminded of the years of provision by the Lord of manna. And we saw that while God provided the manna, he also stopped the provision of the manna and provided the land and the Israelites the ability to work the land so that they would now be provided with provisions from the land. In chapter 6, 
we saw God as the victor in battle as he caused the walls of Jericho to fall with the shout of his people in an unusual military conquest that did not require the use of weapons, but rather obedience to God's instruction. In chapter 7, we saw that God takes sin seriously and that sin is the real cause of defeat for God's people. As we moved into chapter 8, we saw that God will deal with sin. Judgment will be executed, forgiveness extended, and then God's plan will continue on. Last week in chapter 9, we saw that God is a God of truth. He keeps his promises. We see this plainly in Numbers 23, 19. God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? In chapter 919, the Israelites commit to honoring the covenant they swore to the Gibeonites by the Lord. There was peace between the people of Israel and the people of Gibeon, even though that covenant started out as a bad covenant conceived in trickery, it was still a covenant before the Lord, and the people of Israel, under Joshua's leadership, determined to honor that. We don't have really any information on this, but if the people of Israelite were anything like me, they probably felt confident in their decision and maybe a little prideful that they had taken the high road concerning their covenant. But isn't it just like God? to call us into action in executing on what we have promised quickly. And that's what happened here in chapter 10. Joshua was immediately called, along with the Israelites, to follow through on the covenant that they had made with the Gibeonites as the Gibeonites called for their help. All through this chapter and overriding and overarching in this entire book is God's sovereignty. I'm not going to focus on that a lot, but I want us to remember God's sovereignty Everything good, everything bad, everything that happens is under the sovereignty of God, and I just have to say praise the Lord to that. So we learn in the beginning of this chapter that God expects his people to be people of integrity. He expects us to do the right thing. Several commentators propose that Joshua had a choice here when the Gibeonites called to the Israelites for help. In verse 6, And the man of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, Do not relax your hand from your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. There would have been a real temptation for me to see this as God's method of escape from a badly made covenant. But Joshua was a man of integrity. He knew that God honors his promises and expects the same of his people. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. As Paula told us last week, as women of God, we should be women of integrity after the example of Joshua. We should keep our promises as much as we are able in big and small situations. Ecclesiastes 5.5 tells us it is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not keep it. We are, led, we are to be led by principle. Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. God values integrity. He is a God of integrity, and we as women of God should be women of integrity. Look for a minute at verse 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. 
not a man, uh, not a man of them shall stand before y'all. Y'all love the language God uses here, and we've seen it several times throughout this chapter. I have given. God has already secured victory. There is no reason to fear. God is trustworthy. There is no reason to fear if we are walking in the way of the Lord. Isaiah 41, 13, for I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. As women of God, we should be confident that he is directing our steps and not give in to fear as we face trials and sufferings. As we move on in Joshua 10, we see that God is present, even in our battles, and he is a warrior. God does not send Joshua out to fight his battle alone. He does not abandon Joshua. In, this, in your homework this week, you had an opportunity to see God as a warrior throughout Scripture. Here in verse 11, we, ha- we see how the Lord threw down large stones and they, the Canaanites, died. In fact, we are told in verse 11 that more died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. God is present in our battles and fights for us. We, as women of God, can expect God's intervention when we are really fighting for God and we really are seeking God's glory. Deuteronomy 24 supports that. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. God hears our prayers. Joshua 12 through 14. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. I want to stop for just a minute and say that we have had a little question, but I think I understand it a little more clearly even than I did before I prepared this lesson, that the he who said, Sun, stand still, is likely God. Joshua spoke to the Lord... And the Lord spoke to his creation. That's what it sounds like to me as we read it. Uh, And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? Okay, rabbit trail. What is Jashar? From researching this book, the best I can tell is that it was a poetic book recounting historical events in early Israel. I don't want us to get hung up there. The real treasures of these verses comes in the next part of them. The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. It wouldn't surprise me if your reaction to these verses was the same as mine. How did this happen? Did the earth stop revolving? Did the sun move? Did people fall all over everybody? What are the scientific implications of this? All valid questions. However, we have to know and understand God commands what he created. We may never understand the house. We do not have the mind of God, and we are not promised that we will ever have the mind of God. But we need to know and have confidence that God is able to stop the sun in the sky. This was an exciting thing to ponder, but I still think there's more to the point of this situation that we need to focus on. The miracle happened in response to Joshua's prayer. God hears the prayers of his people. He wants us to pray. Make no mistake, 
that God knows what we need before we pray, as we see in Matthew 6, 8. But we as women of God need to pray. We need to communicate with God. Prayer is indispensable to our battles, and our spiritual battles are won on our knees. 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Continuing through chapter 10, we see the details of continued battle as Joshua and the Israelites conquer the southern region of Canaan. I am reminded through these verses that God is a God of order and detail. In his providence, he arranged the order of the Israelites' conquest over Canaan. This is actually the first time we see God instruct the Israelites to battle in a true military style with weapons. God owns the victory. God leads us into our spiritual battles equipped with everything we need for victory, but the victory belongs to him. John 16, 33. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. As women of God, we need to recognize where our help comes from in times of trial and battle. It comes from the Lord who has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. In Joshua 10, 24, we see Joshua summon all the men of Israel and instruct the men of valor to come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. He then instructs them with the, instructs them with the same instruction he received in chapter 1 as he was commissioned as the leader of Israel. Do not be afraid or dismayed. Be strong and courageous. For thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. As women of God, our biggest battle is against sin. God crushed that sin for us at the cross. We have only to look at the cross to remember the victory has been won and sin, is, sin can be beneath our feet as the necks of the, necks of the conquered were beneath their feet. We continue through the book of Joshua to see details of the battle as the Israelites led by Joshua take possession of the southern kingdom of Canaan. I'm not going to read each of these verses, but I do want us to look at the second half of verse 40. He, referring to Joshua, left none remaining but devoted to destruction all that breathed, just as the Lord God of Israel commanded. God requires and desires the obedience of his people. Of all the sin that I struggle with, and trust me, there's a lot, I think this one presents me the biggest challenge. As a woman of God, God expects my obedience. But God has also given me abilities and gifts and intelligence. And I can tend to feel self-sufficient and like I can control situations with those very abilities and intelligence that was given to me by God. Now, that may be inherent in women in general, but it definitely is a battle that I face. There are so many demands on our time and energy that it is easy to fall into a pattern of thinking we are the only ones that can get things done. That can easily give way to pride in my life, and I forget to place my dependence on God and submit to his authority over that very time and energy. God wants our obedience. He wants our obedience without questioning or manipulating, just simple obedience to his word and instruction. Kim has shared many times a quote by Jimmy that an obedient life is a beautiful life. And that's what we all want. We all want a beautiful life. Well, an obedient life is a beautiful life. 
James 1, 14 through 15 says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. God expects us to be obedient to his commands, and as women of God, we should rely on the Holy Spirit to help us to be obedient rather than relying on ourselves and our own strength. The last thing I want us to see about God today is found in Joshua 10, 42. As Joshua captured all these kings and their land at one time, because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. In this verse, I see two ways that God is a God of amazing grace. Up to this point, the battles had happened one at a time. Only Jericho and I had been conquered. But here, five cities of the southern region of Canaan are conquered. What a sweet grace of the Lord that so much was accomplished in this large battle. I can just imagine that as one battle was completed and they knew they still had a lot more to go, that they had to breathe a sigh of relief when they got five at one time. I just think that's just a sweet gift of God's grace. And we as women of God are recipients of his grace in the daily details of our lives. God's grace provides encouragement to us when we can't see the end of our sufferings or trials or even the end of our responsibilities by extending favor to us when we least expect it. The second way I see God's grace is that God fought for them. We have already seen that the battle is God's, but I'm struck here that Israel did nothing to deserve this victory. In the chapters before, we see Israel as a sinful nation, and yet God gives them grace by giving them victory. As women of God, we are also undeserving of God's grace. And yet he, in his sovereignty, extends grace to us through his son and by forgiving us of our sin. He gives us the victory. We've seen a lot over the past few weeks in these 10 chapters, a lot about God. And as we leave this semester and these weekly gatherings, I want to encourage you not to put your study on the shelf The upcoming chapters are sure to teach us even more about our God. But I want to challenge you in this season that as you go through your busy days, that you be aware, hyper aware of looking for what you can learn about God. Look for the amazing grace. Look for the times when you recognize his sovereignty or his mighty hand. Look for how you see his forgiveness and his justice. Pay attention to how you see his truth. Notice his provision in your life. See his dealing with sin as you go about your day. Record his answers to your prayers, even if that answer is wait. Acknowledge his continued presence in your life. Obey him and take joy in his presence throughout this season. Let's pray. God, you are sovereign. Um, There is so much about you that we don't understand, but for some reason, you've decided to reveal yourself through your word, and we are so grateful and thankful for that. Lord, as these women leave this place today, I pray that they will be aware of you every moment as we go about the busyness that happens and the concerns that come up during this time of year. Lord, may your presence override all of those concerns. May you fight our spiritual battles. May we be obedient to you. May we appreciate your forgiveness and may we see your amazing grace. And now, Father, as we um, enjoy this meal that you have provided for us, we thank you for it and we ask that you would bless it to our bodies and that our bodies would be a blessing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.